Lord, we thank you that if we've confessed our sins to you, you are faithful and you are just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Lord, place confidence in your church today that your spirit resides with us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in case you're wondering, Pastor, how do I know if the Holy Spirit is with me? Then this sermon is for you. Newton, would you come on up? We begin a tradition here of elders presenting our scripture today. Go ahead. Thanks. Thank you, Rob. So today it's my privilege to read out of Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 7a here. It says, On the day of Pentecost, seven weeks after Jesus' resurrection, the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm in the skies above them, and it filled the house where they were meeting. Then what looked like flames, of, flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them that on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as, a, as the Holy Spirit has given them the ability. Godly Jews from, other, from many nations were living in Jerusalem at the time. When they heard the sound, they came running to see what it was all about, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were beside themselves and wondered, how can this be, they explained. Thank you. So this week I had two different people ask me a question about how can I know? How can I know? People talk about hearing the voice of God. And quite honestly, I was asked, how, how can I know? Am I missing something here? <laughs> We just heard a story of the Holy Spirit coming after Jesus died and rose again. The Holy Spirit came. It tells us what happened in Acts. And we see patterns, but I never visibly saw the Holy Spirit come into my life like they did. So how do I know? How do you know? The next big decision you have to make, how do you know? I think a lot of people feel almost abandoned and alone in those decisions. It's an important question to be able to answer. Is the Holy Spirit with you or not as you live your life? Many of us up here will know it. Say yes. But how did it come to you? Was it because you were put in water? Is that how it came to you? None of us were there at Pentecost. So how did it come to you? So let's go to this next slide. This is the illustration that came to mind for today. 
So the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of views out there on this. So the Holy Spirit, I believe, is almost like a kite. <laughs> Even the word for spirit means wind in the Greek and Hebrew. It's a wind, the breath of God. And it's doing some things that are predictable and also some things that are unpredictable. The things that are predictable are the direction of the Holy Spirit. The direction is to bring the witness of Jesus to the ends of the earth. That's predictable. That doesn't surprise me when I see the Spirit do that. But in the detail, that can be unpredictable sometimes, how God opens doors, how God prompts us, how God moves us. And so I want to look here into this first passage in Acts. And there's different, different views and people have interpreted this. Some churches will look at a perspective that the way the Holy Spirit moved in Acts has now ceased. That it's, in a lot of ways, limited in how the Spirit works now. Others will look at Acts and say, no, that's the pattern and prescription. It's got to be that way. If you don't, almost word for word, right? That's, that's another extreme to say that, well, the Holy Spirit has to descend on us like tongues of fire that we can visibly see. That's called a continuation perspective. There's a cessationist perspective. And I think both can run into a ditch, right? <laughs> no, the Holy Spirit did not die. But no, I'm not going to tell a Christian that they have to see the Holy Spirit work in a certain unpredictable way. I think there's a middle ground we can explore today. And so let, let's look at that. The first chapter of Acts says that the resurrected Jesus was eating with his disciples and he told them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised, as I told you before. John baptized you with water, but in just a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So there's nothing special about water, all right? It's something else that brings the Holy Spirit. Let's continue on here. Verse 6 through 7. So the apostles were with Jesus, and they asked some very detail-oriented questions about what this Holy Spirit was going to do. They said, Lord, is it, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? And he replied, the Father alone has authority to set those dates and times. They are not for you to know. A lot of times when we think about the Holy Spirit and trying to discern his voice, we want to know times and dates, right? Lord, when's the right time to sell this stock? <laughs> when's the right time to move? Is this the time to go start a new job? A lot of times we think about non-moral issues in discerning the Spirit of God. And yet, as we discern the will of God in our lives, Scripture has a lot to say about the direction of the Spirit, what the Spirit cares about. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says that we are to abstain from sexual immorality for this is God's will for you. Yet we get so caught up on should I date this person or that person or marry this person or that person? Yeah, you should seek the Lord on that. But how about from abstaining from sexual immorality in your life? Why don't we ask that question? Say, God, help me with that. Because you know what? That will destroy my relationship in the future no matter who I marry. We think that if we get this non-moral issue wrong in discerning God's will, it'll throw everything off. But the Bible's very clear that sin, the very essence of it, is violating God's will. Will throw things off and what God wants to do in your life. Yet we don't let that bug us. We're bugged about if we should go to McDonald's or Hardee's for lunch. All right? Are we asking the questions that God is asking? Are we seeking the direction the Holy Spirit is trying to seek direction for our lives? 1 Thessalonians 5, a chapter later, it says that we're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Again, direction setting. This is what the Spirit is doing. 2 Peter chapter 3 mentions that God's will is that none should perish. Again, direction setting. This is what the Spirit is doing. This is the direction to go. To join Him in seeking that none should go to hell for eternity. That's the heartbeat of the Spirit of God as you try and discern what He's trying to tell you. It goes in that direction. Romans 8 mentions that God's Spirit intercedes on our behalf to bring us in harmony with God's will. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 says that the Spirit conforms us into the image of Christ. That is the direction that the Holy Spirit is set in our lives. And yet it takes a daily practice to say, what's the details here, God? To see what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life, we do have to ask, for today, who should I talk to? What decisions should I make? But you see how that's different than having a blank slate of saying, I have no idea what the Spirit might call me to do today. No, there's, there's some very clear direction that we know the Spirit is moving in our lives. So then the question is, okay, Holy Spirit, how? How do you want to make me more like you today? How do you want me to reach a world that is dying and going to hell? Help me apply your word into my life, my specific context today. That is seeking the Holy Spirit correctly. Because we know what he's about. Scripture tells us. And the reason I got that kite analogy out there is because sometimes people just fly a kite with no string. They just let it fly. I've heard stories, I think you all have, 
an untethered view of the Holy Spirit. I know one person, it made me sad, but I heard a story of a, a person who thought that God told them if gas prices got afford, above $4, they should move from Florida somewhere else because that means a hurricane's coming. And they divorced their husband and moved. I don't, I don't think the Holy Spirit told them to do that. That's not God's will. That's not the direction of God's will. It was untethered, right? At the same time, we see churches that are supposed to be flying the kite and it just lays flat. <laughs> it's like, man, there's no life there. They pray as if God's dead, <laughs> right? And I believe that there's this middle ground where the Holy Spirit is active and alive. In the detail, it's unpredictable, but in the direction, we're very clear as to its direction. So, the Great Commission here in Acts, this great idea of, you will be my witnesses and go tell people about everywhere. This is the mission of the church. This one thing, go. And it starts off by saying this very important line that you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. Now the word but there, he just got finished saying, look, these times and these dates, these non-moral issues you're so concerned about, it's not for you to know. That's okay. You don't need to know. You don't need the, sport to, the Spirit to be your little fortune teller. You can have confidence without knowing the future because you know the one who knows the future. Walk in His will. So He says, you don't need to know that. Okay? But the Holy Spirit will come upon you and empower you to go in that direction that I'm setting, which is to be a witness. Know Jesus. Witness that as a noun and then witness that as a verb. Just tell people what you've seen everywhere. Continuing on here, Acts 2, the day of Pentecost. Man, I wish I was there. That would have been so fun. It wasn't just the disciples. Prior to this, it said there was 120 believers. I believe the Holy Spirit came on them all at this time. And there's some ingredients here that I want to point out. So back at the end of chapter 1, in verse 13, it says that they were all joining together in community. I think the Spirit works through his community. If we think of three strings on that kite, one of them is being in the church community, receiving godly counsel. It's a safe spot for God to be able to lead and direct and to guide. And so they were doing that in, chapter 13, in verse 13 of chapter 1. Verse 14, they were constantly in prayer, seeking God's direction and listening. In verse 16, they knew their Bible. They had a decision to make at the end of chapter 1. They had a tough one. They had to decide who the twelfth disciple would be to replace Judas. And I believe with those three strings, in the community of the church, in constant prayer, in a searching of the scriptures, 
we see them navigate this. Almost like a one, two, three. And then they go. They don't wait around. They're together as community. They search. They seek God in prayer. They search the scriptures. They finalize that down to two different guys. And they say, roll the dice. Let's go. (laughs) They choose Matthias. It's kind of like one, two, three. Okay, go. All right. And that's what we're going to look at as a church today. There's a tough decision in your life right now. I want you to think about this. One, two, three, go. Now the timing of this is also just perfect. God was not ignoring them or leaving them hanging, which we often feel if God doesn't answer our prayer immediately. There's a timing. I've heard it said when we pray, God either says, yes, not yet, or the third one, I got something better in mind. All right? So this is a bit of a not yet, I got something better. He waits until the second Jewish festival, which is 50 days after Jesus had come in for the first Jewish festival, which was Passover. Jesus had ridden in on a donkey in a triumphal entry. There was a lot of hoorah. Then he was crucified and killed on a cross. And then there was rumors that he rose from the dead. And then 50 days pass. And then now, as the Jewish law commands, Jews from all over the world come back to Jerusalem for the second feast, which is fulfilled at Pentecost. Jerusalem was packed. This was probably one of the greatest evangelistic outbursts ever. The timing was right for the Holy Spirit to move. And move he does. The Holy Spirit's about to fly this kite. (laughs) And so we see that here in verse 3. It says, What looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit. They began speaking in other languages. The Holy Spirit gave them this ability. The Holy Spirit shows up in an unpredictable detail, but in a very predictable direction, which is to bring the witness of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. And so the Holy Spirit shows up. He gives them ability, as you see at the very last of this verse. They don't do it on their own strength. The Spirit empowers them as they obey. Every time I get up to preach, I have to remind myself, okay, Holy Spirit, I'm relying on you. And if you want to humble me today, you sure can. And sometimes it's probably good for me. (laughs) But if he uses me up here, it's because the Holy Spirit used that. I'm saying, God, I know what direction you want to go. Right, I'm making this, this decision to go up and preach because I believe that you want to use your church community and you want to use your word. And I'm prayerfully asking you to lead me to say the details I'm supposed to say. And in hindsight, I look back and be like, wow, there's any fruit there? Thank you, Spirit. Thank you for showing up and using a willing guy 
Are you a willing guy? Are you a willing woman? That's what God's seeking to use. He's not trying to show you the future before you do it. He's asking you to take steps of obedience for what he's told you to do. And he will empower that. He'll take care of the rest if you start moving in that direction. Verse 5 says, At that time there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. So these tongues that are being spoken, it's not to be confused with a, a heavenly language of tongues referred elsewhere in Scripture. This is them speaking in every language. They're speaking in Hebrew, Aramaic. Everyone's hearing it. Okay, Spanish, they're all hearing it in their own language. They can understand. That is the direction of the church. Not that we're to be able to go out and speak and everyone just naturally understand it in their own language. But the direction of the church is to go talk in a language that they can understand. Think about the questions people are asking in life. You talk to a six-year-old a little differently, don't you? You don't change the message of the gospel, but you can meet them where they're at. And hear the gospel and witness of Jesus is meeting everybody right where they're at. And in a very effective way, creating opportunity for more people to hear about Jesus. Verse 7, these people were completely amazed. How can this be? How can this be? These people, these people are from, all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speak in our own native language. And this creates opportunity for them to Go in the Spirit's direction, which is bringing witness to the ends of the earth. So let's keep going. I want to pick this up. Peter steps up to the plate then. Okay? People clearly see, okay, there's something happening here that's across all cultures. It's uniting people from very different backgrounds, something the world has no way of doing. There's a lot of different people in these pews right now, a lot of different backgrounds, okay? Some of you even cheer for the Iowa Hawkeyes, all right? <laughs> Yet the Spirit brings us together. I'm just kidding. I have no stake in the game. I don't even know who I'm cheering for yet. But the Spirit brings us together across all those boundaries. And the world wonders, how is this possible? It's through the Spirit of God. That's how it's possible. And it gives opportunity John 17 says, the people will know you are my disciples by your love and your unity. It gives opportunity to explain why this is possible to be in community together without killing each other. And so Peter steps up to the plate to explain this. And I love that he quotes so much scripture. So what should I say, Lord? Right? Right? I'm sure he's prayerfully considering this. I'm sure he's in the context of community doing this. He's saying, God, let your scripture work through me. And the scripture says, 
he quotes Joel and saying, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit. Here, God, God is not limited. He can speak in any way he wants to. Okay? But to the person that's saying, I haven't had a dream yet or a vision. How am I supposed to know what to do today? To that person, I say, there's some promised ways God has used to speak to you. One of them is through the scripture. How many of us leave so many of those pages unturned, and yet we are asking, God, what is your will for my life? As a professor did in school, he took out the thickest Bible he had on his shelf, and he showed the students. He says, do you think God wasted his breath And at the time, as a 20-year-old, I had my little Psalms and New Testament and Proverbs in my pocket that looked a lot thinner than the one he showed me. I realized, you know what? There are pages unturned. I do want to know what God has to say. God promises to lead us through that. Proverbs has tons to say about the way of wisdom and seeking godly counsel. Philippians 4 mentions about praying always, for this will guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. Verse 22. This really picks up. I just love the punch Peter puts in this. It says, To those who are listening, listen up. God publicly endorsed Jesus and the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. You nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. Amen, church? Amen. We're not to chase miracles and wonders and signs. It's the only way God can lead us. But the record of them should give us confidence that God can do anything and that Jesus has the power to do what he has promised to do in raising up to new life. I think of that every time I go to a funeral for someone who's placed their faith in Jesus. I think to myself, God, you made a promise to them. Their life is in your hand now. I'm counting on you to deliver. He's going to deliver. His track record shows he can do anything in the twinkling of an eye. At very creation, he brought it all to an existence. And when he recreates the world at his second coming, he can make it right. He can deliver. This vision of being released from death brought to life it's a vision of baptism when someone is dunked under the water their eyes are closed they can't breathe there is no life for them 
And yet the image of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that as Jesus rose from the ground, that person comes out of the water and gasps air and life for the very first time. So often as Christians, we judge the person drowning underwater for not acting alive. It's because they're not. They're dying. And they need Jesus. And what a wonderful sight it is to see that new life as they come out of the water. Their eyes are open for the first time. And they can breathe in freedom in Jesus for the very first time. That is what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life and through your life. God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. If you're a witness of that, then you can partake in this thing called church. You can partake in fellowship with God's Spirit. You can partake in the great commission of bringing this to the ends of the earth joining what God is doing. It says, now Jesus is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. God wants to pour out his Spirit on faith family. He doesn't want us wondering, God, where are you? And it's hard because sometimes we think that the Spirit is a feeling. It's not, okay? We can come up here and play pretty music with no lyrics. You might feel the Spirit, maybe, but it's not just a feeling. By faith, if you believe the Scripture and you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, the Spirit is with you now. Get to know Him. Because He wants to know you. God paid the ultimate sacrifice you deserve so that you could get to know him. He bridged that gap. And often we don't even think about the Holy Spirit in our life and getting to know him. Here's our last scripture today. Peter replied, So for those that were listening to this message, if they're tracking with Peter and they're like, you know what, that sounds a lot better than suffocating underwater. (laughs) If that's you today, listen to what you should do. It says that they were struck to the heart and they asked Jesus, what should we do? Or they asked Peter, what should we do? And he replied, each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This is a promise, not just to you. It's not just you at stake here, but it's your family and it's your children and it is those who are far off. That maybe only you can reach in your sphere of influence. That is at stake. Let us be a church brought to obedience. What the Holy Spirit wants to do in our lives.
So let's fly that kite, okay? It's tethered through God's word, through the church community and receiving good counsel, through prayer and asking him, what should I do today? But let that thing fly and treat it like it is alive because it is. It's our only hope in navigating this world to go in the strength of he who overcame the world. Amen, church? Amen. So as a church, one, two, three, go. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Help us to get to know you. Help us to discern where you're at work and how to join you. Let us fellowship and obey you. And for any heart in this room asking to be a little more closer to you, I know that you would be happy to answer that request. Do that through the intercession of Jesus Christ and what's been made possible to us through his blood. In Jesus' name, amen.